it's Ben here. I want you to imagine for a minute that you're driving along a road at 80 kilometres an hour. Maybe you're doing that right now while you're listening to the podcast. Think about how quickly things pass you, how the white line spins along the road. Maybe your window's down and you can feel the velocity of the wind coming through it. Now, imagine a cyclist rides straight out in front of you and you have no time to react, swerve or slow down and you hit the cyclist. Well, that's exactly what happened to Nick, except he was the cyclist. In this episode, I talked to Pastor Nick and Brenda, who recall the story of what happened, his horrific injuries, and the amazing things that God did for both of them. It's a powerful story. Pastor Nick and Brenda, welcome to Revival on the Air today. Thank you. So we've just had a lovely dinner at your house here in Canberra. Um, thank you so much for having uh, Emily and I over. It's been, uh, been a wonderful night so far. We're going to talk a little bit about a story that uh, started back on the 11th of March. So tell us what happened on the 11th of March. So that was a, that was a Saturday and uh, I was on my uh, regular morning bike ride. Uh, which I've been doing for several years. So this is a road cycle bike. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a road bike. bike. Yeah, yeah, road Mostly. road bike. And uh, I go around the the local golf club, which uh, is mostly off road. And uh, I've been doing that for several years. There's a small section that I of road that I cross over. It's a very busy intersection, six lane intersection, and uh, I go across that on the bike at, at a very slow speed. And uh, I got hit by a van traveling at 80 kilometers an hour. How do I know that? Because uh, the uh, Brenda got a copy of the uh, police report and the fellow said that he was uh, ensuring because there's a, a speed camera on the intersection, he was making, and it was marked at 80 k's, he was making sure that he was under that uh, speed limit. Right. So how did that happen? Were you crossing the road the wrong yes. way? Was so, he crossing so the road the wrong way? So what happens is work? that I go around the uh, the golf course. It takes me about 20, 25 minutes. And then the last section of the uh, of my ride is to cross over this intersection, which then goes leads into our suburb. And then I just go on the uh, footpath then uh, to my home. Uh, and then that, that's it. that's my morning ride. So it's about uh, 30, 35 minutes or so. But according to witnesses, Nick crossed on a red pedestrian light. Right. And none of us know why he did that because we've been doing it so regularly, you know, at least five days a week for years. But anyway, that's where he was. So the, 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 the van driver had a green light and wasn't expecting Nick to come out in front of him. And where were you, Brenda, at this time? Well, I'd already completed my bike ride and I'd come home. And do you normally ride together or? Well, normally I set off first because I, he's faster than I am. Yeah. So, and, and I'm busy preparing the breakfast, of course, that's for right. us. He <laughs> prepares the breakfast before he leaves. And so I'd arrived home and then I waited for Nick to come mm -hmm. and I thought maybe he, he'd had a flat tyre or something else maybe gone to Bunnings on the way, and then I realised that maybe something else had happened. Mm. So then I rang his phone, which quite often he didn't take, and when the phone was answered, it was by James at the Canberra Hospital. Right. And he told me that Nick had been brought in by ambulance yeah. uh, and that he was in quite a serious condition. And how did you, that must have been a massive shock to you. Well, it was a shock and I did burst into tears, but I think, you know, I just knew that the Lord had 
everything under control, even though I didn't know the circumstances. And, you know, I rang one of my daughters and her husband came and collected me. And on the way over in the car, we had prayer. And that was just, I felt really good after that. And then when we got to the hospital, most of the family was there by that stage. You're right. And we all had more prayer together. Yeah. And I just felt just real peace about the whole thing. Mm. And it was, and uh, when I started talking to the doctors, I realised how serious the accident was. Yeah. And he'd, he'd actually had two ambulances at the site and he'd lost, I think, one and a half litres of blood because he'd had a fractured femur. Yeah. And they apparently bleed a lot. So he'd had to have... So is that an internal fracture? It was an internal yeah, right. fracture, yeah. yeah. And so he had to have three units of blood as soon as he got to the hospital. Yeah. And at one stage they didn't know who he was. He was unidentified. But at some point Nick managed to um, answer their questions and tell them who he was. Yeah. So do you often in you know, times of accidents like this we don't remember everything? What do you what do you I, remember I, about I what happened? I don't remember anything about it. Right. It's interesting because uh, Brenda and I uh, sometime later walked over that intersection, if you like, the scene of the crime. Yeah. And... Uh, I have absolutely no memory whatsoever wow. of that, so it's all a bit out of body for me. <laughs> yeah, right. And do you remember the? Do you remember the day? Do you remember no, the, anything? No, leading? I don't remember any of that. In fact, it was was probably um, a week and a half after the accident when I was back. So I spent a week, nearly a week, in in ICU. Yes. And then they transferred me back to the general ward, and it wasn't until a few days after that that I actually started to wonder where I was you right. know it's sort of it's like it's like I woke up out of a out of a dream right and uh, of course I asked them where am I because I thought initially I was in Calvary Hospital which is the hospital on this side of town and they said no 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 you're actually in uh, rural Canberra Hospital and you've been in a very serious car accident and I said what what do you mean and they and, and then they you know, pointed to all, all the injuries. damage in my body and so on. So I had to, uh, you know, admit that obviously I was in some sort of accident. But in terms of me understanding or, or appreciating that, yeah, absolutely none. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was extraordinary because witnesses, just to go back a little bit, witnesses saw me punted about five or six metres into the middle lane of the intersection when yeah. I got hit by the van. And... Uh, Fortunately, all the other cars around me were able to stop, so I wasn't run over. And uh, three people, including the driver of the van, ran to my aid mm. and commenced CPR as they thought I was dead. Yeah, right. Thankfully, I wasn't. And soon after, as Brenda said, two ambulances and, and the police arrived and they assessed my condition as very serious. Yeah. Uh, now, if anyone's seen um, show, TV shows, reality shows like uh, ambulance or accident shows, there's this terminology they use called the Glasgow Coma Scale or GCS, which, um, as I said, is a tool that they use in the medical profession to determine the extent of consciousness in trauma patients. Uh, It assesses patients according to uh, responsiveness, eye-opening, motor and verbal responses. The highest GCS score is 15, the lowest is 3. A score of 15 means you're fully awake, responsive and have you know, have no problems with thinking or memory. Uh, a score of eight or below means you're in a coma and likely to have severe head, head injury. A score of less than GCS5 is associated with an 80% chance 
of being in a lasting vegetative state or death. Right. I was assessed as a GCS4 wow. and taken to Canberra Hospital, which is the, yeah, you know, right. the major hospital. Yeah, right. So it, it was really extraordinary. Uh, I mean, I was unconscious, completely aware of that. Yeah. As Brenda said, she had this conversation with hospital staff yeah. and so on. And so, Brenda, uh, how quickly did they start telling you about the extent of his, his injuries? Oh, immediately. So by that stage, all the family was gathered around the bed and we were talking to one of the trauma doctors and he basically went through a very, very long list of all the things that they had identified with Nick. And so essentially he had three bleeds on the brain. He had broken his shoulder blade, his collarbone. He'd broken most of his ribs on the left side. And they weren't just broken in one spot, they were broken in a number of spots. Um, He had a punctured lung. Which was probably as a result of the CPR that the people were doing because I had the broken ribs, they just went straight into my lung. He had the broken femur. um, Fractured skull. Yeah, the fractured skull and a a broken neck. Yeah. And later on we found out. So where was the break in the neck? Um, The break in the neck was, was right up near the the bottom of the skull yeah right and actually it's quite it can be quite dangerous yeah. and it can actual fact result in um, permanent quadriplegia yeah if, you, if it's so I had to wear this um, uh, collar around my neck to, to sort of protect my uh, my spine I guess yeah, yeah for six weeks yeah and it was it was problematic because um, Nick Mick's memory was because of the head injury he really didn't couldn't retain anything. His short-term memory was shot for really the first month or so. Yeah. And doctors were quite concerned because that is a sign of a, you know, severe brain injury. Yeah. So so you're in the hospital. They're, yep. they're assessing all his injuries. Yep. They're telling you all of the things that are wrong. Yeah. What was the prognosis for him? What were they telling you about his his recovery and what his long-term life would be like? Oh, well, they weren't they, – I think they were sort of um, – fairly circumspect at that point I did ask them I said how serious is this and uh, the doctor he actually paused for quite a long time and then he said to me well he's not going he's not dying yet were his exact words he was a terrific young doctor yeah trauma specialist so that was a bit chilling yeah to hear that and we realized you know when he went off to intensive care Mm. that he was actually in quite a serious state yeah well, remember they asked you for a copy of uh, my power of attorney and a, an advanced care directive. Yeah. So that gives you an idea so of how they serious did that. they and thought then, it was. And, and I, I took a day or two to get it get it back to them. Yeah. And by the time I took it back, they said, oh, look, we don't need it now. Yeah, so right. that was really, you know, wonderful to, to know. Yeah. So he, he was just, yeah, obviously in a very, very serious state, yeah. really. And he had just one-to-one care, obviously, in intensive, intensive care. care. Couldn't and- do a thing. Yeah. for himself you yeah. know he had tubes and drains and all sorts of things coming in and out of him and he was on very strong drugs yeah. um, just to deal with all the pain mm. and then he had lots of contusions and bruises and whatever all over him mm. so it's it really was a it was a miracle number one that he survived the accident so so getting hit at 80 kilometers an hour it's just extraordinary right what, it is, what, what it is the... extraordinary and I must admit when I've been sitting at traffic lights and watching cars going past in an 80 zone, yeah. I'm truly amazed that Nick's here yeah. alive yeah. and well. Yeah. you got some statistics and there. Yes, I have. My um, One of my daughters dug out some, some statistics and um, 
the survival rate of a, in a crash between a car and a pedestrian, there is a 10% chance of survival if hit by a car at 50 kilometres per hour. So that's pretty low. And that, um, that was from the New South Wales Centre for Road Safety. Yeah. That, and then in a head-on crash between two vehicles, there's a 20% chance that a driver or passenger will survive at 90 kilometres per hour. So that, you know, in a modern car with airbags. Yeah, yeah, wow. So it's it's quite sort of chilling when you think of what could have happened. Yeah, and those, that incremental difference when you go 50, 60, but that's significant in terms of uh, impact. and. Uh, it's, well, it's logarithmic. It's not yeah. uh, linear. That's right, and, yeah. And so therefore it's huge. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. I remember hearing about it. Somebody told us, I can't remember, someone close to you, I think it might have been Penny and Chris, and uh, they told us about it, and we obviously immediately started having some prayer. And I remember at the time thinking about it, you know, I said, oh, you know, I've been hit at, I've been hit by a car at 35 kilometres an hour and ended up with all sorts of trauma. I can't imagine what 80 uh, would no. have been like. No, yeah, that's I'm just very grateful too to the Lord that I wasn't there to see it because I think it would have been replaying in my brain for an awfully long time. It's it's funny how you think about these things. And I think you know, it's probably a good thing I was hit by a van, which is virtually a vertical surface. If it was a car, which is, has a very narrow um, thing, you know, I could have been very badly damaged, particularly from the waist down. So <laughs> we're very badly damaged, mate. <laughs> no, I mean <laughs> permanently. Yeah, which was but you know what? It wouldn't have mattered, right? No, you could have been that, hit by that, a truck. That's right. The Lord still, mean, would, the Lord have... still would have. Exactly. Yeah. The angels were there, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> you were fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. And, and in a sense, it's probably a, a blessing that I don't have a memory of it because uh, they had to uh, assign a student nurse to sit by my bed for 24 hours a day because what was happening was I was trying to pull this uh, brace off my neck because it was so uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I don't have any memory of that. But he'd forget that he had a broken neck yeah. and that he, you know, that, that neck brace was keeping him from, you know, possible quadriplegia. Yeah. And the other thing that we also, we spoke to a neurologist about three weeks ago and Nick had this... Um, the particular fracture that he had was to the foramen magnum, which is essentially, it's a name for the big hole, which is at the bottom of the skull where it joins onto the spinal cord. And he said that's a really nasty sort of fracture to have. And not only could it cause, um, you know, paraplegia or quadriplegia, but it can actually interfere with the, the way that your tongue works, your ability to swallow, and, you know, on a permanent basis. And there's nothing they could do mm. about that. Yeah. So he was very fortunate he's had none of those issues. Mm. So what was what was going on for you at the time, Brenda? I mean, obviously you were praying. I assume the fellowship was praying. Were you freaking out? Were you worried? Were you stressed out? Were you Well, none of those, yeah. funnily enough. I just had that peace of the Lord, just plain and simple. And I just I really wasn't worried about Nick. I knew that I obviously appreciated, you know, that the, the situation was quite dire. But I just had a real peace about the whole thing and it was a tremendous comfort to me to know that the fellowship was all over the place where people were praying for us, uh, praying for our family, and I think that's just what um, upheld the family, really, particularly during those first, the first week was probably the most difficult, only because it was, it was so exhausting. Every day I would go into the hospital and try and be there at 
you know, seven o'clock in the morning because that's when all of the specialists would do their rounds. So in, in the ICU and you'd have the You'd have the brain doctors, you know, the neurologists. You'd have the orthopaedic surgeons. We had the, you know, the the lung, the heart and lung people would come by. I'm just trying to think who else. Psychologists for my, yeah. Yeah, the the neuro people. So there are, are, you know, four or five different groups of specialists that would be trailed by doctors and nurses and they would come in and assess him. And there was a lot to deal with. That's why they had all these teams. So the Canberra Hospital is actually the preeminent trauma hospital in the region. And there's nothing like it between here and Melbourne. Even in Sydney, they don't have a hospital like the the Canberra Hospital where they've got all of the trauma specialties um, in one spot. And I must say they were excellent. We received excellent care and they were very thorough and very professional. But it just demonstrated to me just the seriousness of his many, many injuries. And so that piece that you talk about, I mean, that's pretty incredible because this is not a man you married yesterday. You know, you, you guys have been married for 48, 48 years, 48 years <laughs> still madly in love with each other. But this is not an insignificant thing to not have to worry about. Um, and here you have this amazing piece that doesn't actually make any sense, does it? No, it doesn't make any sense. It really is sort of beyond, you know, comprehension. But it was just wonderful. And that piece really carried me through for the whole time. And and there was also the practical support. Oh, there was practical support. But that the piece was, a you know, that was... Uh, wonderful and I just I stayed close to the hospital for the first few weeks at my son's house so he was you know literally up the hill and it was really great because I could you know I just able to pray pray morning and night and the Lord just really sustained me because even though you still have that you've got the peace of the Lord it's still quite overwhelming physically and mentally and in that respect you know you're dealing with a lot and then I was dealing with a lot of you know, people, interested people that wanted to know how Nick was going with updates and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it was just an amazing thing, that piece. Mm. Yeah. And what about the practical support? Yeah, we, we had uh, a freezer full of uh, meals, <laughs> frozen meals. The, the people in the fellowship made yes, for you? The yeah, it was really, it was, it was it was really, very overwhelming. Yeah, it was a bit overwhelming and yeah. very humbling. Yeah, you know? it was. It was great. Yeah, you know, we talked about my memory not being um, very good. Uh, Pastor Godfrey from PNG rang me while I was in hospital and prayed for me over the phone since the message that, you know, that I had this accident had gone up to PNG and elsewhere. And uh, he prayed with me over the phone. I don't remember it, but apparently I, I prayed in tongues as well with him. <laughs> apparently I interacted with him and prayed in tongues as well, <laughs> but I don't remember it. It's an extraordinary. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, wow. And so let's talk about what the Lord's done for you since that time. So you're, you're in intensive care for a week. How much longer were you in hospital? I was in after hospital that? for 11 weeks. 11 no, months. not 11. It was just under two months right, that he okay. was in hospital. Yep. Okay. Trust me. I defer to your... Just defer to the expert. <laughs> yeah. The expert. Yeah. Who <laughs> can actually remember that period of I time. Can. <laughs> yeah. Nick's, as I say, Nick, for the first month, Nick had, uh, you just couldn't retain any yeah. any information. Yeah. It felt like 11 weeks, didn't it? It, it did. It felt like <laughs> 11 weeks. And, and I had a, um, a psychological um, uh, nurse come in and uh, ask me a series of questions. Uh, and then the following day, she would ask me what I remembered from the previous day, <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I, I couldn't. So it was it was a bit embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I gradually started to get better, and I started to remember what she said the day before, and uh, eventually uh, she uh, 
uh, said to me, well, you're well on the road to recovery and I don't need to give you any more questions each day. So that was a, that was a bit of a breakthrough. So that's a, I mean, that's a long way from that initial assessment, that score of four where it's long-term, long-lasting brain injury. That's right. That really would affect your quality of life quite significantly. Yeah. Oh, it would have. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, one other uh, injury which Brenda didn't mention was that uh, I had a blood clot from my wrist to my shoulder in my left arm, and uh, when I that's a that's a long that's that's a long it's like half a meter. It that's is. right. Yeah. And and I was on blood thinners, and I was also More. on a uh, opioid based painkiller, um, and. Uh, uh, I was still taking the uh, painkiller and the uh, the blood thinners, and the expectation was that I would probably have to do it at least until take them at least until Christmas time, possibly even longer. So this is March, eleventh of so March. So nine months That's it would right. have been. So end of April was but, when but, I got out. But one of the specialists that we've been to recently, uh, an orthopedic surgeon who just deals in arms essentially, she said to Nick that. Uh, when we, we went for an assessment and she ordered a, an ultrasound just to get a bit of a snapshot of what was happening with the, the blood clot. Yeah. And she, she did say at that time, she said, you might possibly um, have life. to live with that blood clot. Yeah. Anyway, we went off, you went off and had the ultrasound done. And so, so what happened in the ultrasound? Well, th- they had a, uh, an operator come out and, uh, Wave the uh, the wand over my arm, and she did that for about uh, several minutes. And she had a bit of a frown on her face. I said, "Oh, w- what's the matter?" And she said, "Oh, I couldn't find anything." And then she called her colleague over, and the colleague had a go at me for a few minutes, and they couldn't find it either. So I didn't, you know, I didn't say anything because I was waiting for the report, the formal report that came, out, and that came out the next morning, and uh, it said basically that there was no blood clot there. So the Lord had healed me. And that meant that I could go off my blood thinners and the opioid-based uh, painkiller. So that was just an amazing blessing. And the, the interesting thing about that is that Pastor Robbie Kerwood came to visit and, he, and his wife, um, Tracy, came to visit us in hospital a number of times. And on one occasion, he actually laid hands on the arm and prayed for the blood clot to be gone. And so praise the Lord that prayer Isn't worked. that amazing? I don't even remember yeah, that. Yeah, no. But that was really wonderful. So that, that was a terrific blessing because you don't see a blood clot of that size disappear overnight. No, no I've actually interviewed, I've had a few. I've had a similar example myself uh, and we've had some other people who've been healed of similar. It's amazing. The, the Lord, where, where the doctors say, no, that's, you're going to be like that for the rest of your life. And so that's amazing. Wow. You know, I know that I'd been seriously injured, but it wasn't until I left the hospital and I read my discharge report and spoke to various health professionals that I realised just how close to death I'd actually come and uh, and permanent disability as well. Every doctor that I've seen has expresses shock at how amazing my recovery has been. And, and in fact, the... Um, orthopedic surgeon that Brenda mentioned earlier, she was reading my hospital report before I came in to see her and she didn't know what to expect. And when I walked in under my own steam and was able to interact with her in a, in a normal way, she was astounded yeah, she was. <laughs> at, at how well I was and uh, she couldn't believe it, could she? No. And even the neurologist that we saw, you know, three or four weeks ago in Sydney, 
he, a number of times during the hour-long appointment that we had with him, he kept shaking his head and kept saying, you're a very fortunate man. (laughs) You're a very fortunate man. Because, you know, he obviously deals with all sorts of injuries and he, given the, the situation that Nick had been in, he couldn't believe it. And he, he basically took him through a whole lot of tests and whatever. And at the end of the consultation, he said, look, I don't need to see you anymore. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. It's interesting. Um, one of our friends is a retired critical care nurse and she told us that uh, my recovery is nothing short of a miracle. And that I am what what her colleagues refer to as a one percenter. That is those fortunate ones that recover after an accident like mine and are able to leave normal lives. So I just reckon that's an amazing testimony. Mm, it is. Yep. I know lots of one percenters in the Lord. that's right well 0.1 percenters one percenters right we certainly do defy the odds of of the medical industry don't we absolutely the the lord is uh, certainly gracious the lord is wonderful absolutely amazing i'm I'm playing uh, 18 holes of golf each week now (laughs) and uh, when i first got out of uh, hospital even though i could walk I couldn't even lift my arms above my shoulders. Mm. But thanks to a bit of uh, um, physiotherapy and uh, exercise, I've been able to do that now mm. and I can swing the club and drive the ball further than any of my colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> so that's very satisfying, <laughs> praise the Lord. For that. <laughs> well, you know, sitting here and, and seeing you now, it's, it's hard. To, I cannot imagine that you were ever injured. It seems uh, extraordinary. Yeah. Well, it is. It is. A, it is a very humbling experience, um, but it also gives me a great opportunity to tell my friends mm. and associates who who don't know anything about God mm. or, or uh, the uh, the life that I lead, and uh, it's been a tremendous opening mm. and given me an opportunity to say things which I normally wouldn't have been able to say, mm. and uh, I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. Why is, it, why is it a humbling experience? Well, it's well the fact that you know I had people not only in around Australia but overseas that were praying for me, and just the level of care and uh, in regard for my condition and and genuine concern hmm. and and you know it, them expressing just wonderful confidence and hmm. and and happiness that hmm. I'm 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 in such good shape. Yeah, and uh, that's very humbling. Hmm. And uh, I'm certainly very grateful to God for that. Mm. You know that He yeah. chose me <laughs> to, with His grace, to uh, to to heal me is just mm. extraordinary. You ever wonder why He didn't take you? Well, I I do, and uh, I I wonder whether He's got something in mind for me. <laughs> and uh, you know that's a bit of uh, something that I'm really praying about to see. Well, Lord. Now that you've healed me, what would you like me to do? (laughs) I must say, though, this probably hasn't been a day since that accident that we, I haven't personally been able to say something to somebody. Yeah. It's been a terrific um, opportunity to talk about the Lord. Mm, It's just been so so wonderful. So mm. I sort of think if nothing else, Mm. it's given us a a really good opportunity to talk to so many different yeah. people. I've heard other people say the same when they've gone through something really traumatic, and whether it be an accident like this or you know, suffered, you know, suffering with mental you know, ill health or you know, something else, that at the end of it they go, it was hard to go through, 
but the peace of the Lord was there and I I now have something that I can use and I thank the Lord and I now have this testimony to tell to others. I think that gives encouragement to people who are going through something right now that at the end of this, when the Lord steps in, when the Lord provides a miracle, when the Lord heals you or provides for you in a way that you can't see right now, that this there's an opportunity there for you to uh, to tell all of the wondrous things that God's done for them. So it's amazing. It is incredible, mm. absolutely. And that's the thing, we don't seek the hard times. No one wants an accident. No one wants something bad to happen to them. But we have the Lord along for the ride mm. with us. Yeah. And we just have to hang on to the Lord. Yeah, that scripture, rejoice in the Lord always. Absolutely. It's not rejoice in the Lord only when things are going well <laughs> or when you, you, know, you haven't been hit by a car, right? It's uh, rejoice in the Lord always and uh, an amazing thing that is. Well, thank you so much for sharing your testimony. Thanks for dinner as well. That was wonderful. Oh, it was a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pleasure, yeah. All right, God bless. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I certainly did enjoy listening to that story and seeing what God has done for Nick and Brenda. So amazing. Nick referenced a few other people in this podcast, and I've got their stories to tell you as well. And so if you look in your podcast app, you usually scroll up or down or across, you'll find there's some notes to the episode. You'll see some links in there, or you can go to the webpage revivalontheairtoday.com Look for Nick's episode and you'll be able to scroll down and find the other stories in there as well. You can also find lots and lots and lots of other miraculous stories. People healed of cancer, of depression, of debilitating anxiety. Just amazing stories that just show that God's power is alive on this earth today. I hope you enjoyed that and stay tuned. Hit that follow or subscribe button on your podcast app so you don't miss any other episodes that we've got coming up and we've got some crackers. Until next time, God bless.